Welcome back to the Lancaster School District Podcast, School Buzz. The ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and not the official district-approved message. This is a platform for the exchange of ideas and information. I'm your host, Rebecca Cooksey, and today I have people who didn't want to come, but I made them come anyway. Um, It's my um, ITS guys. (laughs) When I had the coaches come on, they were like, begging to get on and the ITS guys are like no Mike no I need a podcast this week so you're coming on so I have David Burleson and Gerald Wilson from ITS so give me uh, just a little bio on you hello my name is David Burleson I am the director of ITS I've been with the Lancaster School District for about three years now and I uh, oversee the department which includes the networking side and the software side which includes our SIS system SIS means Student Information System. <laughs> There'll be lots of acronyms in this. Welcome to IT. Yes. I am uh, Jared Wilson. I'm a Network Systems Specialist here at the Lancaster School District. Um, I have been working full-time at the school district for 12 years now. I was originally a student in Lancaster School District, if you go way back, and I've enjoyed my time here. Great. So ITS is Information Technology Services. And that department handles all of our network connections, our access points, our switches, our routers, our data for the district, and a lot more. And everybody else is on summer vacation right now, but this is our busiest time of the year. Everybody's like, well, where are you, where are you going on vacation? I'm like, I'm working this summer, and um, everybody in IT is working all summer long because this is our really, really busy time. What are some of the major projects for our department this month or during summer? So during the summer is kind of our downtime, so we can kind of do some major overhauls on our network. Um, Although when we say downtime, that doesn't really mean downtime because we still have summer school going on. Um, The district office is still open. We have registration going on for our schools. So there really is no downtime um, during the summer. There's stuff going on constantly. But it's our best time to do some of our refreshes on our networking. Um, We do our SIS school information system <laughs> roll to the new year. I'm um, going through registration, but I'll let Jared talk about some of the major um, tasks we're doing in the networking side of the environment. Yeah, so from uh, our perspective, uh, we're doing uh, some major backend changes. Uh, mainly what the users will see, they'll see increase in their net speed and some other things that uh, we have to do to keep everybody flowing and keeping the material going out. Um, we're doing a lot of data, data integration projects. Um, we generate well over a thousand lines of uh, data every night just to send things up and uh, keep uh, the material flowing and keeping students into uh, their projects and everything else. Um, and of course, we're going to be rolling you know, all 15,000 some odd students over uh, into the new year to the new grade and graduating our eighth graders and bringing in our kindergartners and preschoolers and all that stuff. And that sounds easy, but for a child, like let's say they were in first grade and now they're in second grade, they have access to different programs, a different teacher. They have access to different curriculum. So all of that has to be done in the background. So on the first day of school, the child has everything they need, and the teacher has everything they need. So we've automated a lot of systems with a single sign-on, which means the kids sign in once, and then they have access to everything, which took a lot of work, but it makes it an easier job for our kids and our teachers. So that's been something that we've worked on a lot this last couple of years. Yeah, you see a lot of classroom instruction time and other things when they don't have to deal with that type of stuff. And, you know, it matters more to what the kids can actually do is actually doing the work and not actually trying to figure out how to log into the program. Exactly. Remembering, you know, five different passwords and different ways to get into programs. So we've automated it. So it's all on one single platform, which is our class link. And then they can access everything from there. 
know, the expectation now is that first week of school, they're already on the devices. It's not a, um, there's no downtime the first few weeks for the students to be just getting introduced into the classroom. They're online the first few weeks, already doing testing, already working on their projects. Um, it starts day one, so we have to be prepared for that first day of school. Those students are ready to log in. The teachers are log in and get to the curriculum. It's, um, it's, it starts day one. What changes have you experienced in the last five years in ITS? Well, I have to say, um, you know, of course, it's the access to technology in the classroom. The Chromebooks, I think, are about five years, maybe a little more, six, seven years. That has been a game changer as far as curriculum access in the classroom. So um, with that, of course, is Internet access, our Google environment, um, just the way students access their curriculum online. Yeah, I've seen an explosion in device usage. Um, our internet has, uh, just from a tactical perspective, we used to use, you know, probably five years ago, less than 100 megs per second, uh, on average of uh, internet access. Um, now we're averaging probably over a gig, a gig, of, you know, traffic per, how you put it, a gig per second um, of constant access. We're also, uh, I'm trying to think back, you know, even if I go back to 12 years ago, I think we used to manage probably 700 computers. And now we have probably 16, 17,000 devices easily that we have to deal with on a daily, you know, thing. We got a lot more help than we used to have. But, I mean, the explosion of devices has just been astronomical. We also, you know, the way things work on the back ends have changed a lot, too. I mean, it's become a lot more efficient. You know, we've been able to, you know, combine a lot of stuff. Um, inside IT, there's this thing where you can virtualize multiple servers into a single server now. And make it a lot more efficient. You know, you don't have to run 15 different servers for 15 different reasons. You have this one server doing everything. That's a lot of the cool stuff that we've seen in the last, you know, five or so years. And I know we put in a backup system. So if our our systems ever failed, we have a backup system that has all of our data backed up every night. So I know that that's something that we've worked on. And we're installing a lot more um, video cameras throughout the district. And those devices take a lot of storage and so we've had to increase our storage which people don't think about they just think about oh we got a camera but you got to store that data for so long and that takes up server space and i think a big change in the last five years is data privacy it's ensuring that our students information is secure in our environment not accessed from the outside and of course that our students access the correct curriculum they're accessing the correct websites and that's part of our upgrade this summer is our, our web filtering for our student access enlarging our pipes so that as we grow, we have the capability of filtering all access. You know what, David, you brought up something that I hadn't thought about. It's on, not on our list here. But talk about GoGuardian, that program that teachers can use to monitor students in the classroom. Okay, so this this um, this year we're, we implemented um, GoGuardian. So GoGuardian is a Chromebook management solution for the classroom. So the teachers can actually see what's going on in the Chromebooks. They can get the students focused on one website by uh, blocking access to other websites and put them on one tab. It allows them to see and ensure that the students are on task and working correctly on the Chromebooks. One thing I liked about that program was that a teacher could be home, like maybe they're sick, and it would send them a report of what kids had done during the day so they couldn't get away with um, pulling a substitute thinking they could get, oh, I can access these things. The teacher still had a list of what they were doing. So Yeah, they got um, a daily report. Also allows them to do what they call scenes. So if they start a scene while the students are in the classroom with them, it allows them to only get to those sites that they've already pushed out for that scene. 
right? Because our kids are pretty smart and they, they know how to click between windows and kind of fool the teachers. They're walking around, they're on task, and when they walk away, they go to a game or something. So this kind of gives the teacher a lot more control without having to stand over everybody's shoulder. What would you say is the most difficult part of your job? <clears throat> That's a good question. You know, it's just hard to say, but I would have to say probably troubleshooting an emergency is probably the most difficult part about the job is when, you know, all the screens are turning red and you don't know why it's happening and you know you have to get it up, you know, as soon as possible or otherwise thousands of people are not doing their job. It's stressful and I would have to say it's probably difficult too. Well, I think for IT, the hard part is um, that access request. So everybody wants access to everything and we got to control the access of what they can get to. You know, we always get new systems that uh, people are piloting, um, new programs. They want access to certain websites, but there has to be that controlled access. There has to be the compliance with FERPA and COPA and SIPA. So we have to be careful of what we allow the students to get to. Um, but there's always that, it's hard to say no, but you have to sometimes in our department say no to what they want out there at the school sites. It, it's, it's a fine balance. Well, and those are, those are federal regulations on how much data a child can give out and what we have to protect for kids. So sometimes teachers think, oh, I've got this great program, I want to try it. But in the back end, this program is collecting all this information on children, which is against the law. And we have to evaluate those systems and make sure that they're following um, the federal and state requirements to protect our kids. So yeah, that is kind of hard when you have to say no. And I think the other part that's really hard is this issue. And, and people now treat the internet almost like it's a utility. It's like the, uh, the power on the wall. So when the internet goes down, they want to know why and when it's going to be back up. And we don't always know why it's down or when it's going to be back up. And it's become such a learning tool that they it's, it's a crutch when they don't have access to uh, the applications, the, the learning environment. I think one of the hardest things I have to do is when I go to cabinet and say, I need $100,000 for this thing that you don't really understand and trying to explain why we need it. And, you know, if you don't get it, we won't be in compliance with, you know, with federal laws or, you know, our kids be able to get things that they shouldn't be able to get and having to sell that um, because IT equipment is very, very expensive, but it's, it's a necessity. Like you said, it's a utility. We don't work without it anymore. So we've got to have it. Well, that reminds me, I was going to say, is one of the most difficult parts about this job is always just keeping up with technology. There's always something new coming out, and then you have to keep up on it because it's going to hit you one way or another. So uh, it's very difficult. You know, you, you research, you read, and then something new still pops up, and you're still surprised by it. So it's one of the fun parts about this job. Well, and you're right. It's ever morphing because we have, a, like, the cyber attacks now that we have to, you know, really study for and get and prepare for. And my husband is also in IT, and I know he reads on the computer every night because you just have to stay on top of things because it gets away from you very quickly, think you know what you're doing, and then suddenly, you know, there's somebody in Russia hacking into our system. Yeah, I've just been calling now, calling the district, trying to get payroll changed or their direct deposit. It's, it's amazing what's going on out there. So can you explain what a phishing scam is? So a phishing scam is when they, they basically fashion an email and send it to um, certain people in the district, maybe HR, maybe payroll. And even though the email address is an outside email address, they, they kind of hide it so it looks like it's an internal email address from, let's say, our HR, um, assistant soup of HR, generally asking for, you know, a direct deposit change or um, payroll information, some kind of ID information. Uh, we've also seen them where they've asked for iTunes cards. So the principal is asking for iTunes cards to pay for an ASB and it ends up being an outside entity that's actually sending these emails.
So we try to train our users as best we can not to click on the links. Don't put their email passwords in or anything else. Um, that's a big, it's a big tough job to, to get our users to understand. And we had a scary thing with, um, with AXA, which is an administrative group. The, a, a person contacted the, secretary, the budget person and said it was me. Said, well, I need $3,000. I found this great speaker, but don't call me because I'm in a conference. She got the money out. She was just about to send it, and she sent me a text and said, hey, I have the $3,000. like, what are you talking about? So we, you know, people that are very smart get to, to get taken in by these things because they look so real and they sound so real. It's not the prince from Uganda wanting, you know, gold <laughs> for money. Those are real. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if someone was interested in going into ITS, what, how would they prepare for this kind of job? For me, it's, it's kind of twofold. Yes, you need to get the education, you need to get the maybe certifications, but it's really important that you get that training by being on the job training. I think you need to look for those starting out positions, those site techs, those positions where you can get some of those skills to build up, then look at your training. It's kind of a twofold area. I think on the job skills sometimes are more important than some of the knowledge you get by going to classes. So um, experience-based better than book smart. Well, it's twofold. Mm -hmm. And like you said, and like Jared said, it's still that knowledge, that learning what's going on, but it's definitely not just about getting your certifications. It's find the job where you get that skill base also. Yeah, with how quickly everything moves, it's like anytime you go to a college course or something like that for programming or computer science or anything like that, you have to immediately assume it's already at least six months to a year behind because they've already created their curriculum for that semester. And then the world of technology has just kept moving. So it's kind of hard to get, you know, practical knowledge when you're always working with materials and books that are always, you know, behind a publishing cycle or two. Um, you know, one of the things I like to tell, like, um, are like if you have younger kids that are interested in stuff like that, is to uh, to let them, uh, you know, tear apart the computers and other things like that. You know, make sure that they're doing it safely, but uh, give them that, you know way to explore things. I mean, today, we're, we're, we don't have as many devices that you can take apart, per se, um, but there are a lot of things kids, high schoolers, and, you know, other people can do to learn this without being in a classroom-type setting. But there it is that important part with the college and stuff like that that'll teach you the basic concepts and other things going forward that you need for software development or just the basics of IT, because that doesn't change. Now, you're always going to have this core set of skills that you're going to need, um, even if everything's changing, because it's still always going to reference back to that. That's a good thing to always learn. I like how you said how um, if you're looking for a book, it's you know behind a publishing cycle. We are developing a computer science pathway with the college, and we've gone to the meeting and they said, oh, for when the kids first come to junior college, we're going to start with Java. And I said, you know, we've been teaching them Java <laughs> since kindergarten. They don't, they're going to come prepared with Java. They don't need that. And they're like, oh. Really? I'm like, yeah, no, they, you start with something else because the, the kids that are coming from us, they know, they'll know their Java. We, right. You won't have to worry about that. And I think it's really what area, cybersecurity is going to be huge in the future. Uh, cloud computing, anything, you know, have to do with cloud. But there's also coding. Coding is going to be huge. What, what, what interests you? You want to look at something that's going to interest you, look in that area. You get the core knowledge, like Jared said. By the way, don't tear apart our Chromebooks at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take, take Grandpa's old computer. Yeah, take But, you know, find what interests you and start in that area. Uh, you know, there's so many jobs out there, and there'll be so many jobs in the future for coding or cybersecurity, just basic networking skills.
the major skills. There's great communities out there too. You know, there's free communities. There's, you know, I hate to say it, but one of our main jobs is just Googling things for people. Um, you can work in IT if you can properly uh, go to Google and type something in. Um, it's it's a majority of a lot of what we do because we don't know what we're doing all the time, but we have to find the solutions for people and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's just uh, connect with the, the, the people out there. There's some great communities and other things that, you know, that will help you along your way of learning. And then with like the hardware side, I think uh, more important than the college and like you were saying, non-job training, there's a lot of places look for certifications and stuff like that. And if somebody's looking to get into the IT field, you know, more like the computer repair, the network stuff, not so much the software development, but the, the hardware stuff is to look into some certification, certification paths, too, if you're looking towards the more educational aspect of uh, getting into the field. And our, our um, Antelope Valley High School has a virtual academy, and they have a lot of certifications that kids can earn while they're in high mm -hmm. school. Um, and you don't even have to go to that school because it's all online. Mm -hmm. um, you go to your regular high school and then take those classes as extras, and you can be prepared to work in IT right out of high school if you get some of those certifications. Certification, and you can volunteer. A lot of times um, church groups, there's areas that you can volunteer to get some of those background skills also. You know, that you need is to find balance between the two. Well, like David said, there's lots of different aspects of IT. So there's cybersecurity, there's networking, there's um, data, there's software development, there's coding, there's thousands of jobs in computer science in that area. Um, so if you're not interested in like networking, you can go into something else. And I think working in an educational environment, the nice thing is you, you get hands-on a little of everything. If you go into banking or healthcare, you're probably going to be pigeonholed into one area either security, email, or something like that. The neat thing about education is we get involved in all aspects of it. And think about it, we have, well, not everything, but uh, you think about it, we have 16 to 17,000 users accessing our network compared to outside, and, and then outside access also. It's a really, it's a large group amount of people accessing what we have to protect. It's a fun environment to be in because it's, you know, the handcuffs for the most part are off because, you know, we, we rely on each other to do so much. It's not like you said, you know, you're in a hospital and everything's mission critical at all times. So, and it, it relies more on our uh, ability to get multiple things done at once and stuff like that. So it keeps it interesting. You know, you're not always just looking at the email server waiting for it to crash. Yeah, so. we're in a lot of hats. Yeah. yeah, well, you guys have been trying to talk me into buying you a drone so we can test that out <laughs> <laughs> in our office. That's so that's <laughs> <laughs> give it give it to the kids, but uh, I, haven't, I haven't fallen for that yet. Um, so I want to give a um, shout out, community shout out to Ron Sams. He's with Lightspeed Technology Sound Amplification Systems. He has um, provided those for our classrooms. And those are so the teacher can wear like a microphone and the kids from anywhere in the classroom can hear the teacher. So it's like everybody sitting in the front row, which is a great device that we have in every single classroom in our district. Um, so thank you guys for coming on. Where can you find this podcast? On iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And our theme for our next episode is going to be summer school fun. I'm hoping to find some students in summer school, drag them in, and have them do a podcast with me. <laughs> it does. Um, so as you tune out, please listen to our students at Sierra singing Simple Truths under the direction of Kelly Stock.